Matthew 16, 18. And Jesus said here, he said, And I also say to you, uh, say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. We looked at that word right there, I will build my church. Now, we talked about this, what is the church? It's not my church, it's his church. And so he said, I will build my church. He is in the business of building his church. And we said this, the people are the church. We read scriptures that looked at different things about this. When people give their life to the Lord, they become part of the body of Christ, which literally means they become the church. And then the church meets in a building. And so with that being said, I want to move forward. I'm not going to review very much today. If you will, turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Now, we are the body of Christ. Jesus said, I will build my church. And so we said this, that that means he will build you up. He will build you up as an individual. How does he do that? How does he get you from weak to strong or walking in the inheritance that you have in Christ, hitting your full potential? He will build you up. And how has he ordained this to be? Notice this in Ephesians. Now, I'm going to skip through a couple of verses, but we'll start here in Ephesians 4, 1. And we'll read verse 2. It says, I therefore the prisoner, this is Paul writing, prisoner of the Lord, beseech or beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Notice verse 7, but to each one of us, grace or an ability was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, in other words, when he was raised up, he led captivity captive, and notice this phrase, and he gave gifts to man. Now this that he ascended or was raised up, what does it mean? but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill or fulfill all things. Verse 11, And he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Notice verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about, with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, 
Christ, from whom the whole body joined, knit together by what every joint applies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now I want to look at just a couple of things here. The, this set of passages uh, or verses in this passage make some interesting statements. One, he said everybody has a gift from God that's saved, that is to be used in the body and used in this world. There's not anybody who doesn't have a spiritual gifting from the Lord that will be used or should be used to help build up the body. Notice this, verse 12 says, we'll read it, it says, these gifts were given for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now remember we read the verse that says this. It said, I will build my church. He said he gave these gifts to edify the church, which literally means to build up the church. You could say it this way, the Lord works in people, puts gifts, or he has invested in people gifts to do work in the church. But then he is also, it's said in verse 11, to some, he gave certain types of gifts. Why did he give some different gifts than others? He said so that his church, which is his people, would be built up. He wants you built up. And he talked about this, and he basically said, I will build my church, but how is he going to do it? He has personally invested in everybody spiritual endowments, but to some he gave certain endowments just for the sake of building up his people, making them strong spiritually. In other words, he has a personal investment in his own church. He has invested in certain giftings and abilities so they can do something, and what they are to do is to build his church. Now remember, he said, I will build it. The way he is doing this, or will do it, is he will put giftings into people, and he named five different groups, and then he said, those people will speak and do certain things for you so that you can be edified or built up. So that is a primary way that the Lord will build his people. He said, I will build the church. Then he put giftings, and they vary. Now, you have giftings to do things, but then he has personally put a gift in me and others for you. Paul talked about how God, that he got this gift for you or for the people he was writing to, to build them up. And so I want to look a little further here before we move on, but notice this in these verses here, verse 
15. Notice it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. Now remember, we talked about this last week, that we are the body, which is the church, Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body. So he wants, wouldn't it be funny looking if the head was real big and the body was all not right? I mean, I'm not trying to sound bad. This may be wrong. But people go to the circus to see something like that. You know, pay $5. Come in this room. See this person. You know, and their, their head's a certain way. And their body's like this. Well, Jesus is the head of the body. The church, we're the church. But he put things in the church for the church. And so... That being said, he gave them to help you and to help us. And so I want to look at something here. Paul had one of those giftings that was to help the church. This is why we need to gather together. This is why church people should gather with the church, some of what I'm about to look at today. There is safety with proper giftings and properly developed gifts. Let me say that again. There is safety or a great help when a spiritual gift, meaning a minister, whether an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, has been developed properly. There is great significance and there is great help for the body. And if a minister has not properly been developed, it can affect the church greatly. And I think sometimes people don't realize this. And, uh, you know, that's why it said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Because there's a divine investment that Christ has put into ministers then he expects those people to develop through time so that when they come into their place, they're at a certain place for what he wants to invest in his body and make his body become. Now that may be saying a lot, but it is a fact that if ministers are not where they need to be, there can be things that lack. Notice this, Ephesians is talking about an investment in you and an investment in me, an investment in everybody, but one investment helps your investment. In other words, what God has put in me helps what he has put in you. And what he put in me is not for me, it's for you. Think about it. I am a person, but he has put something in me for you. But he puts something in you for this place and for other people. And so notice this. If you will, we're going to look at a few verses here. 
Philippians, the first chapter. You with me? I will build my church. So we've already seen that though he said, I will build my church, man is a great part of it. Man has a significant role. And why does man have a significant role in the building of the church? The reason why man has a significant role in building the church is because Jesus put gifts into man. You with me? Jesus put gifts and abilities into man. Philippians 1 verse 17. Notice this. Now Paul is talking here and I'm going to read two verses here. It says this, now he's in prison, he's a minister, and there had been people who uh, were preaching out of a good motive, some out of a bad motive, and the ones out of a bad motive were actually sharing the gospel, just trying to make his prison sentence worse. Because they threw him in for the preaching of the gospel, then other people are like, well, we'll go out and preach, and then it'll get all these officials mad at him. See, people have different motives. But notice this, he said, but the latter, uh, out of love, let me back up, I'll read 15. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. And some also of goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, because he was in prison. Verse 17, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Notice verse 7. It says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, insomuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers with me of grace. Now, there's two things that are identical or mentioned in both of these passages. Verse 7 said, if you notice... He said that he was set for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. That was his purpose, was for the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. Verse 17 said he was appointed for the defense of the gospel. As a minister, he was set for the defense and the confirmation. What is confirmation? The Greek word right there for confirmation literally means to promote confidence. So when he preached, he was set, what he preached or what he was preaching was to promote confidence, who? In the people he was preaching to. So part of his gifting was to promote confidence. Well, you to promote confidence, there's got to be some assurance of something. But he promoted confidence in what he said. Maybe he said, you are redeemed. 
Maybe he said Christ has already bought and paid. Maybe he said Christ has already given you all things that you'll need in this life. Well, that would promote confidence. But notice that was not the only thing he was appointed to. Verse 17 said he was appointed of the Lord for the defense of the gospel. Well, when we think about defense, I don't know about you, but we're in football season, baseball season, and basketball season. We're actually in a lot of those times. But each one of those sports has offense, the confirmation of the gospel, and defense. What is the offense? They're trying to score. What is defense? They're trying to keep you from scoring or get into a certain position. Right? In basketball, a defender does what? He tries to keep people from getting in a position to score against you. Right? Anybody ever... You know, like even baseball, they're in the middle of the playoffs right now. They'll change where guys are at, and, and it's, they call it a defensive strategy to keep the other one from getting runs and winning. So Paul was set for the confirmation, in other words, to promote confidence, but he was also appointed for the defense of the gospel. Now, these are important truths because we're talking about how the Lord will build His church. Does it matter what you hear and where you go? Yeah. But notice the defense, the confirmation. He is set for that. He was appointed for that. Think about that. That was what the Lord appointed him Two. Now turn with me to Galatians 2, and we're going to see Paul in action. We're going to see this gift that the Lord placed in Paul for the church in action. And the benefit and the reason for it and what it would do for the people. What would happen? What would happen... If a minister stood in the place they should or could, what would it do for the people? Galatians 2, verse 2 through 5. Notice this. And I went up. Now, he was going up to Jerusalem, to the church there, the heads of the church. He said, I went up by revelation or literally because of the revelation he had got and he was preaching. He said, and, and communicated to them, meaning those leaders, to them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, meaning those leaders, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. In other words, he wanted to make sure he was on track with what he was preaching because he didn't want to just be out there preaching something and it be for naught. You with me? Verse 3 says this, Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred 
because false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel may continue with you. Now here is the thing. Paul has gone up to the church. He's gone up there with some guys who are non-Jewish converts. The Jews, you know, previously had followed the law. Now we're under grace. And they go up there. And these Jewish people are putting law in with grace and saying you have to do this and you have to do that. And they're trying to compel this guy who's a Greek to get circumcised according to the law. And he didn't feel like he needed to. He called it, you know, his freedom in Christ, you know, not to have to do that. But they were compelling him, and Paul said this. Now remember, Paul is set and appointed to defend the gospel and to confirm it or literally promote confidence in people toward Christ and what he had to say. And what happened was, it said he did not yield to them. In other words, he didn't give in to what these other religious ideas were. And if you notice, it says there in verse 5, that the truth might continue with you. What would happen if somebody who was a gospel minister submitted to something and kind of went, well, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I don't want to say this. It's not real popular. He said he would not do that. Even if there was pressure, he said for this purpose, so that the truth might remain with you. What truth? The truth about being filled with the Spirit. The truth about grace for salvation. And the truth that healing is yours, that the blessing of God is yours, that you are saved by His grace. I mean, all the different truths. But he basically was saying, if I would have submitted, the truth would not have remained. And so notice this. He set for the defense of the gospel. That means to keep a standard or to keep a place. Think about this. What would happen to the church if people stopped telling things to the body because it wasn't popular or or they didn't want to hear it? What would happen? It would disappear. Has God ever wanted the church not filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? No, He's always wanted it. But the truth has disappeared sometimes because people say, well, you know, people don't like hearing about that. Or, you know, if you talk about the blood of Jesus, you know, that's just kind of like, whoa, about His blood. It would be just easier, you know, and to just tone that down. No, the Bible said without 
the shedding of blood. There is no removal of sin, but he shed his blood to remove all your guilt. And so notice this, verse 11. Remember, as we're reading now, Paul as a minister is an invested gift by Jesus for the body, which is people who are saved, or to reach people. He has a gift. His gift is to promote confidence or to build people up in faith, but also to defend the gospel. Not fight with people, defend the gospel. Not argue with people, keep a standard of the gospel. Notice this in verse 11. He said, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. Now in this whole thing of going up to the church and talking to the leaders, here comes Peter rolling along. And he's a genuine minister of the Lord. Galatians 2.8 said, Paul said this, He who worked in me effectively for the apostleship to the Gentiles worked that way in Peter to the Jews. But he confronted him to his face. We would say it this way. He got up in his business. Because they're both in the same business, and his business model was getting off. Now, he withstood him to his face. It said, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Now remember, Paul said he continued a certain way when people tried to push the Jewish laws and rules so that the truth would remain. Peter's preaching to these people, but when some of those Jewish people came, he didn't make a stand, he changed. And instead of presenting something appropriately and correctly, he changed. When Paul did it, he said so that the truth would remain or a standard would be there. What was he? He was defending the faith. He was set for the defense of the gospel so that that truth would be up there. Some things that need to be said are not always pleasant to hear. Even healing or prosperity, provision to say, hey, God has set prosperity in your life, but somebody's hurting financially. It's, I just That's not comfortable to say. But then if we stop saying it, because it might not be comfortable for people to hear, then what could happen? That truth may not remain. Instead of preaching it so people can come up and live in it, 
sometimes it's dispatched because we don't want to offend anybody. But remember, we speak the truth in love so people can grow up and walk in it. So notice this. Verse 12, for before certain men came from James, James was the head of the church in Jerusalem, he would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Here's what it was. There was this old mentality under the law that anybody who was not a Jew was unclean. These were Jewish converts. They were out preaching the gospel. He had some of that old thinking in his head still. So instead of standing and eating with these people who were saved, it'd be like me if I was Jewish and I'm eating with you, you guys are non-Jewish converts, and all of a sudden the head of the church sends, you know, the local, this area sends people and they're Jews, and to eat with a Jew is, or non-Jew is considered unclean, so he shows up, I've been eating with you, but now I won't eat with you, I'll sit over at this table. What would that do? Somebody said, well, no big deal. Let's look and read on what happened. Verse 13, and the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. What happened was because Peter did not defend the truth and backed away, it said all the other Jews that were there that were saved started acting different to those people. And Barnabas is Paul's preaching companion. He's there, obviously, when Paul's not. And all of a sudden, he's starting to do exactly what this other spiritual leader is doing. And they're all treating these people wrong, and they're not acting in line with the truth. He said they're playing the hypocrite. Why did Paul make a stand? For the defense of the gospel, that it might remain. What was happening was, all of a sudden, this salvation by grace is starting to not remain. And they're actually acting like, well, because you're not doing these law things, whoa. Paul confronted him to his face. Why did Paul? Because he had a gift for the body. He wanted to help the body. The body was being ill-affected by this one man. And it had even affected his preaching companion. I mean, think about it. This is the Bible. Did you know this? The Galatians is part of the New Testament. This happened. And, and, and the outside world goes, well, if you guys are the church, why do so many people believe so many different things? Because some of them don't preach error, they just, some of the truth has not remained. That's not being mean. Some of it has just not remained. And he was set for the confirmation or to inspire people and to be confident about it. And 
to defend that standard. I believe that there are people who have giftings in them that God sets in the body because the body swings to an area where it shouldn't be just to raise that back up in the church. Because it should have been a standard the whole time. I believe there was a man that's gone to be with the Lord that the Lord raised him up to teach about faith. There's a man today that's alive that was, I believe, raised to teach about grace here in the United States. But all those things need to be tempered with all truths. But what happened is some truths didn't remain. Years ago, there was a move through the United States about being filled with the Spirit. Happened in the 60s and it happened about 1906, 1907. And just people started getting filled with the Spirit and evidence of speaking in tongues because that was supposed to have remained, but somewhere it didn't. You with me? And so Peter was a genuine minister, but Paul confronted him. Why? Because these people had been drawn away. They had been drawn away, and he was sent, set for the defense. A minister, we're all, Jude, Jude 4, I believe, or 3, says we're called to contend for the faith once given. But as a minister, as they develop in the Lord, they are set. And a minister should be somewhat developed, I would think, before they become that. They should be set for the defense of the gospel, not for a popularity contest. And when people try to please man and not the Lord, things can get twisted individually, in leadership, in individuals. It doesn't matter. Set for the defense. Here's an interesting thing. Paul confronted him to get this straightened out so that these people could walk properly. Peter needed to be adjusted. Barnabas, who'd been traveling with him, needed to be adjusted. Go back to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. These gifts in people, when developed, can be a huge blessing to the body of Christ. But it's interesting that whole swatches of the body of Christ can go hear people who don't teach the full gospel now. And they'll say, well, I just like that it's more toned down. And they don't bring this up. Isn't it interesting the Bible said in the last days people would heap together teachers having itching ears? I think sometimes we in the spirit-filled world talk about that as though it's just wild people. But what about heaping together people and teachers who won't teach certain things? And then those people are empowered because people have gone there. It doesn't mean there's an endorsement. And, in, and here's the other side. It doesn't mean that that person's not even a genuine minister. 
Paul, Peter was. You with me? But notice this in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we'll begin reading in verse 14. Let's read it backwards. Let's read 15 then 14. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. These gifts are to help you grow. But notice verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Notice the phrase right there, tossed to and fro. What is it to toss something? I'm notorious for tossing stuff. If I'm at the counter at a store, and I've got a little wad of trash, you know, like they hand you something, you crumple it up, and you see the trash can behind the counter, I am that person. When they, and I was like, ah. Sometimes I make it, sometimes I don't. And they'll be like, oh, good job. Other times they're like, well, don't quit your day job. What am I doing? I'm just tossing something. Just throwing it from here over there. Just tossing it. Don't we use that term all the time? Toss that over here. In other words, what we're saying is, Get it from here to there. Notice what these lies do. They toss people from a place they belong to a place they don't belong. Tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But these ministry gifts are given... So people can grow up and not be tossed. If somebody has been tossed, how did they get tossed? They heard something. How will you get tossed back, so to speak? I just don't want to be thrown around. The way to keep yourself from being tossed is to hear truth in a proper way light and accept it what's interesting to me is sometimes people nobody here get tossed over here on a subject they didn't even really hear it based on truth and then they hold it to themselves and they act as though it is the truth then you say hey you know and you bring up a subject and they're like stuck here It's like they got tossed in the mud and went, and it takes a bit of truth to move them back, but it didn't take a ton of truth always to get them over there. Well, it took none. Maybe something that sounded good, but they got tossed. So he was sent to defend or keep people where they needed to be. The truth preached in love helps you to get planted 
Here's one scripture, and we'll close with this. Psalm, turn to the book of Psalms. Now, we're talked about being tossed. Here's something to keep people from being tossed. Speaking the truth in love may grow up. Turn to Psalm, the first chapter. I'm cruising through the book of Psalms here. We'll read these couple of verses and close right here. Here is something that you can do, but also should be, truth should be presented, but you should do something with the truth that is presented. Notice this, verse 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, those tossed to and fro people are saying stuff that shouldn't be said. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. That seat of the scornful is an uncomfortable place to sit. Just some people need to change their seat. Now, don't slide over right now, but I'm just saying. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's what he ponders, truths. He shall be like a tree planted. Planted. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Notice, the person who gets the truth can prosper. God wants you to prosper. But notice, tossed or planted. Planted. You know, once roots get down, you won't get tossed. Why? Because you're planted. Then when that stuff comes along and the winds blow, because he called it the winds of doctrine, didn't he say that? When those winds blow, your roots will hold you. <laughs> 